take a short break now. This week we start reading the Parshas Vayetzei. Vayetzei Yaakov mi Be'er Shava. Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava. Yaakov lived together with his parents, with Yitzchak and Rivka, in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Canaan. And it was a very comfortable, it was a very nurturing environment in which Yaakov was able to flourish, to study, to learn, to connect to Hashem in the most beautiful ways. And as we read in Rashi and the Medrash, that after leaving there, he was at the age of 63 years old. And then another 14 years he spent in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever, in which he dedicated his entire day and night, an entire study, as we find later on in Rashi and in the Chazal, that he didn't sleep at all, that he was totally involved and immersed in the study of Torah. As it says, Vayishan Bamakom Ahu, that he slept over there, Rashi comments, but the entire years that he was in the yeshiva, he didn't sleep because he was totally involved in the study of Torah. So our parsha tells us, Vayetzei, that he left all that, and he left all that convenience, his comfort zone, his place that he loved, and he went out. And now he has to confront an uncle of his who was a thief, who was a tricker, a cheater, who constantly tries to outsmart him and constantly tries to deny him of what he is entitled to. But the fascinating and the interesting thing to realize is that where does Yaakov set up a family? Where does he have the great privilege of raising the 12 tribes? Not in Israel, not in the convenience, and not where he studied Torah. It was actually in the foreign land. It was actually far away from all the support system, so to speak. And that is where he was successfully able to raise a family in which all of his children, unlike Avraham and Yitzchak, we know there were some good and some bad. Avraham had Yitzchak, but then there was Yishmael. Yitzchak had Yaakov, but then there was Esau. But Esau, all of his 12 children, they were all tzaddikim. They were all the 12 tribes and were all descendants of them. Where were they born? Not in isolation from the world, not in the protection of his home, but only when he went out. So we had yesterday the tremendous privilege in Zuchus to join 4,500 Kanai Nahara Shluchim. Those are people who left their home, who left their community, who left the sheltered area where they were, where they lived, and they went out to the furthest corners of the world. I mean, just to sit by there and to listen, there were countries after countries 
I never even heard the name of. I certainly had no idea where they are geographically, where they're located. Maybe it's my ignorance, but I got to tell you there was a number of places that you are surprised to learn that there's even Jews in those places over here. And, you know, we have with us today a gentleman from Kazakhstan, from Almaty, who's also over there doing the work of Vayetze going out from the convenient going out from a place uh, where uh, there is a big support for religious Jewish life and education and giving it all up and going out to making sure that another Yid would also be a beneficiary to spread the warmth, the joy, the love for Hashem of the Torah so that others can also be part of this. There was a... um, a fellow shaliach over there who was giving the kind address, just want to short, briefly sh- share with you. He related that there was once a uh, one of these vayetze, one of these shaluchim was living in the neighborhood, and he goes over to this fellow and he says to him, "I want you to put on the tefillin." And the guy says, "I'm not interested. Leave me alone. Don't bother me." But he didn't let go. And he says to him again. The next day he says, I want you to put on the film. He says, I already told you. Don't bother me. I'm not interested. And then a third time he comes after him. So finally he said, he saw the only way of getting rid of this nudnik would be, he says, okay, I'll put on the film. Just stop bugging me. So he puts on the film. But be sure after that he told him another mitzvah. And one mitzvah brings to another mitzvah. And he said, eventually, he says, that was his parents. The shaliach was speaking of there. He runs a big Chabad house on campus in California. And he says, thanks to that, his parents got married later on. And they raised, you know, children, a family. And four of them are all over the world in, on campuses. And he says, and they calculated that last Friday, they had, you know, on a don't remember the number that he mentioned, but, you know, hundreds and hundreds of college kids all over the world who participated Friday night at the dinners of the children of the parents who that nudnik sort of didn't let go and had him put on this film. And then he said when he was a five-year-old kid and they brought him in, he went to, he lived in Morristown, he went to the Cheder over there, and then the, uh, he came home and in the Cheder, they used to teach him in Yiddish over there. So they started teaching. The first time he goes to Cheder, they teach Breishis, Bar Elikim, Funonei, but God Bashafen. They tell him in Yiddish. He never heard Yiddish and he never heard Hebrew in his life. So he comes home to his mother. He says to his mother, he says, can you help me with the, I have no idea what they, what they said today in Yeshiva. He doesn't know what they said over there. And his mother started crying. And she said that, I'll be honest with you, he says, I don't know either. He says, I didn't get, they didn't educate me, and they didn't teach me this thing, so I don't know. So, he says, I told my mother, he says, don't cry, I have other kids in the classroom, I can, I can ask them, they'll tell me what the meaning of this is, because their parents apparently do know, and they can help them, so they'll help me too. So his mother said to him, that I'm not crying because I'm upset, she says, those are tears of joys. She says, I'm so very happy, she says, that at least my son 
will be able to teach his children how to teach, how to learn the Chumash when the time comes that they get married. And that is what it makes him warm. And finally, he shared with us a story about a, a certain shaliach who uh, lives in a community where he gets a call that uh, this woman, uh, she's very ill. And the doctors just gave her just a very short period of time, told her that she's going to die after that. And she asks her husband, and unfortunately she married out of the faith. She married somebody non-Jewish. And she tells her husband, she asks that she wants to see the rabbi should come over. So the rabbi comes over and she says to him, look, I have an 11-year-old boy, she says, and I know that I'm not going to be there uh, to make him a bar mitzvah. She says, Rabbi, I want you to promise me that you're going to see to it that while I'm not around, that my boy has, has his bar mitzvah. And, you know, soon after that she passes away, you know, and the rabbi remembered, he goes to the, uh, calls up the father of the, of the boy, about, this about a year before his bar mitzvah, he says, you know, he was there, you know that I made a promise to your uh, ex-wife, uh, you've passed away, that I was going to teach your son bar mitzvah. It's a year now. It's going to be. It's the right time to start teaching bar mitzvah. And he says to him, "Look, you know, I know what she told you, and I know that you promised. But look, I married another woman. Now she's not Jewish. My home isn't Jewish at all. This is not not the mother, not the father. We don't do anything Jewish over here. So how does this this doesn't fit in?" He says, "Thank you for you know you mean well, but." In our lives, we have nothing Jewish over here anymore. And that's it, no bar mitzvah. So, okay, what is he going to do? He told him no is no. But then he thinks about it. He says, no, that's not possible for him to do. So he goes back and he calls him and he says to the, to the father, he says, look. He says, you know, your son is going to get older and, you know, he'll do well. He'll go to college. He'll go to college. And, you know, he'll find out, or he remembers, because his mother told him as well, that his mother uh, uh, wanted him to have a bar mitzvah. And that this rabbi, he says, myself, I promise that I'm going to make you a bar mitzvah. He says, tell me, what should I tell this kid when he comes to me and says, how come you didn't make me a bar mitzvah when you promised it to my mother? So he says to the father, all what I want you to tell me is, what should I tell this child? When he comes to me, what am I, how can I face him? What should I tell him? And he realized. And of course, you know, things he changed his mind. He says, fine. And during his bar mitzvah, he was so appreciative. And I don't know if we heard the end of the story yet. We don't know uh, the end of the story. But the message is that, you know, Vayetze Yaakov, sometimes we go out of our comfort zone. We go out of what we're used to. We don't realize even what kind of an impact and how... For many, many generations, you know, every time we do a good deed, and there is, Baruch Hashem, unfortunately, enough work for everybody to do. Uh, everybody, there is people that we know, there is people that we come in contact with. If we reach out to them with love, with kindness, and we show them, not judgmental, not in a way of being critical, but rather with love, and try to, with respect, and just try one mitzvah at a time, one kindness at a time, we are able to turn over and bring so many neshamas, so many souls closer to Hashem in heaven. And Ebi Shesha help that we should all 
already finish up the last birurim, the last things that we have to do to zeichet to the coming of Mashiach Zidkenu, Mehir Bimeinu Amen. Would you like to do that in Marif? Rather not. Okay. 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 Zaman. Okay. 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 Okay.